Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Hello, and this is Jim Morrow, Dr. Jim Morrow. I'm speaking to you with two tin cans with a string tied between them. Um, this, we're having some technical difficulties this morning as we try to record the podcast. Uh, my producer, John Ray is there in his elaborate home studio and he's got issues. John, how you doing? Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Um, yeah, we're just doing the best we can this morning, trying to bring it on in. Right. So there must be some solar flares or something this morning, because I'm telling you, we, we, my my computer's rebooted. This is the third time. Uh, I'm I've got my notes on my phone, and it's going to be interesting. But we're thrilled that people would actually download the podcast and choose to take their time to listen to what I have to say. Uh, two plus years in, it still amazes me that anybody would want to do that. Um, so uh, I, I thank you all for your attention, your subscription, for you telling your friends about it. Uh, it's been a great experience. So. I'm going to rehash a topic today that uh, I talked about a couple of years ago because it's a very important topic and it's an important time of year to talk about skin cancer. Uh, skin cancer is a very important thing. We see it in the office all the time. It's the most common form of cancer that is seen in the United States. And almost all of the skin cancers are caused by too much exposure to UV light. That's basically sunlight. So. It's interesting to me because with the pandemic, we've heard about vitamin D being associated with immunity and all this, and people have gotten very excited about vitamin D levels finally, and you get vitamin D from sunlight. Your body makes vitamin D when you're exposed to sunlight. So I tell people all the time, we have created this entire population of vitamin D deficient people by telling everybody, don't get too much sun. Whatever you do, don't get too much sun. So that's good from a skin cancer standpoint. It's bad from a vitamin D standpoint. The good thing is you can just take a vitamin D supplement and you're okay. But if you get too much sunlight, if you're crazy enough to go to a tannin booth, or if you're old like I am, and you remember when people actually had sun lamps. I, I remember when you'd go to somebody's house and they would have this sun lamp in their den, and it would be basically by their easy chair, and they would sit there and turn on this sun lamp, and it would just cook them. And that's a great way to get skin cancer. But it's also one of the most curable types of cancer that there is. Now, there are three main types of skin cancer we're going to talk about. And if you get into the weeds of skin cancer, there are other things that can happen. But we're going to talk about three main things. The first one is basal cell cancer, basal cell carcinoma. And basal cells and what's called a squamous cell cancer are the two most common forms that we see. They're very curable. They're very easy to take care of if you don't ignore them, right? And the the basal cell cancers occur in what's called the basal cell layer of the skin. Squamous cell cancers occur in, yeah, you guessed it, the squamous cell layer of the skin. And they're fairly slow growing. And if they're found early, they're easy to treat. But this is where you get into what I tell people all the time about the five most dangerous words in the English language. You don't want to say those five words, and those words are maybe it will go away. So if you have a spot, I've got one on my right sideburn. 
that I keep messing with. And I keep thinking I need to go get this thing taken care of. And if you've got a spot that's crusty or flaky or something you feel like you can peel off and it comes back, go see the dermatologist. Okay, go see your family doctor. Go see somebody have this thing evaluated. Because if, if you have a basal cell cancer and you just ignore it, the common name for a basal cell cancer is a rodent ulcer. Rodent ulcer, like a rat. Rodent ulcer. And it's called that because if you ignore it, it will just eat away the tissue where it is. I had a patient in the office several years ago, an older lady. She was there for something else, and she had a big Band-Aid across the side of her nose. And when we finished with what she wanted to talk about, I said, I said, how can I ask you a question? She said, what's that? I said, what's under the Band-Aid? She said, I got a, a place on my nose. I said, can I look at it? She said, yeah. And I pulled the Band-Aid off, and the woman's left nostril was missing. This, this basal cell cancer had eaten away her left nostril. And you could see up into the sinus pad. It was horrible. And I felt so bad for her. And she had just ignored this thing thinking it would go away. It would get better. And it just got worse and worse and worse. So if you have something, get it when it's small, get it taken care of. It's not a difficult thing to do. And that's true for basal cells and for squamous cells. Now, the third type of skin cancer that we see pretty commonly, but it is less common, is a melanoma. And everybody's heard that word, and it probably sends chills down most people's spine, as it should. A melanoma is a, an aggressive form of skin cancer. It's the one that has the most potential to spread. It occurs in the layers of skin that have the pigment, which is called melanin, and that's why it's called a melanoma. You have cells there that start to grow abnormally, and they become this cancer. And if it's, found, if it's not found early... It's very likely to spread to other tissues, but if it is, it can be taken care of without a great deal of difficulty. It's only a 2% or so percent of cases, so it's not a great deal of them, but it causes the most deaths from skin cancer. All right, so if you're, if you're thinking about, do I have a problem? The things you're looking for are a new or a changing bump or growth or lesion or mole, whatever you want to call it, a rough patch of skin, but not all of these things look alike. Now, a normal mole is a solid sort of tan brown, dark brown, fleshy colored thing with well-defined edges. It's usually smaller than a quarter of an inch. It has a round or an oval shape, and it's usually flat or maybe even domed up a little bit. But if you're looking at things that might be a problem, there's a rule called the ABCDE rule. It used to be ABC, and then you've added to it. Uh, the A stands for asymmetry. Uh, significant moles, dangerous moles, are not symmetrical. Okay, and symmetrical, of course, means if you take half of it and fold it up on the other half, it matches it. These things are irregular. Uh, they are not symmetrical. If you have something like that, see your doctor. Um, B stands for border. The edges of the mole, if it's a problem, might be blurried or jagged. They're not smooth and 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 continuous. They'll be irregular. C is for color, and that stands for really a change in the color of a mole. And this could be a darkening or a, a loss of color, even, or spreading of color or multiple colors. A lot of times you'll see a mole that has a lot of brown in it and there's a little bit of red over here. And that's a problem. You need to get that thing checked out. D stands for diameter. 
the rule of thumb is if it's bigger than a pencil eraser, the eraser on the end of a pencil, it could be a problem. If it's less than that, it's probably not. That's about a quarter of an inch in that neighborhood. And E stands for evolving, meaning it can look different from others or it's changing in its size or shape or color, the way it looks in some way. Now, there are other signs that it might be a cancer. And if it itches or bleeds, now a mole that itches typically means it's growing. And if it itches or bleeds, that can be a problem. If it's scaly or a crusted growth on the skin, that can be an issue and it can indicate you need to get something taken care of. And if it's a sore that won't heal, and I hope that's not news to anybody. If you have a sore that won't heal, I don't care where it is or what it is, get the thing checked out, please. So where do you see these things? Most of the cancers, skin cancers, occur on parts of the body, and this would make sense, that is repeatedly exposed to the sun. So in men, this is the head and neck area, the face, tips of the ears are notorious for getting basal cell cancers, the hands, forearms, everything that's exposed to the sun. For women, it's more limited, as you might imagine. These are mainly on the back and the lower legs. Um, I have a, a family member who uh, back many years ago, it's been 40 years ago now, uh, had a mole on the back of her calf. And she went to the doctor and said, half of this mole fell off. And he looked at it and sent her straight across the street, had this thing biopsied. It was a melanoma, had it removed, had a big chunk of skin removed where it was and went through some stuff. And, she, and she's fine. It has been for 40 years, but she didn't ignore that. And you want to not ignore that. So I said that sunlight causes skin cancer and it does but it's a little bit more specific than that sunlight is really two types of ultraviolet light and getting into the weeds here a little bit with this but i think it's interesting and people need to understand it there's uva ultraviolet a rays and there's uvb rays and the uva rays can penetrate through clouds and glass and they penetrate the skin much more deeply and they damage the skin more than anything else the UVB rays damage the upper layers of the skin, and they're the main cause of tanning and sunburn. So researchers used to think that only the UVB rays led to cancer, but recent studies have shown that UVA and B damage the skin and cause cancer. So basically, sunlight in general is a problem, and the fact that UVA can go through glass says that if you're in the car and you think you're okay because you're in the car and it's glassed in, it's still a problem. If you think you're okay, you are not. So when you get tanned, that's your body's attempt to protect itself from the sun's harmful rays. And even if you don't burn, being in the sun too much and for too long can lead to skin cancer. And again, tanning booths. I have to talk about tanning booths. Tanning booths are just as dangerous, if not more dangerous than sunlight because it takes less time to get that same amount of exposure that you would get to sunlight. So if you go to a tanning booth, I don't know, I guess they set them for 15 minutes. I don't know. I'm not sure. And But if you're in there 15 minutes, that's like a couple of hours in the sun. And you know that if you've ever been because you've seen the results. So don't go to tanning booths. Don't go. Now, if you're fair-skinned, if you're blonde, if you have red hair, light-colored eyes, you're at much greater risk for this kind of thing. If you work outside, obviously you're at greater risk. If as a child you had a history of bad sunburns, 
I don't care if you're a dark person. If you had bad sunburns, you need to be aware of this as an adult and go to a dermatologist every year or two, no more, no less than that, and get checked. And again, don't ignore anything. Now, melanomas, unlike the basal cell and the squamous cell cancers, melanomas don't really care about where you've been exposed to the sun. They can happen anywhere. Don't be getting a mole somewhere and think, well, gee, I haven't had sun exposure there because it's on my belly or my butt, and think, well, that can't be a skin cancer, because it can. Now, if you end up with a, a problem like this, a mole that's suspicious, you go see the doctor. If you're not at a dermatologist, sometimes your family doctor will biopsy the thing, take a little piece and send it off. Most often, you end up at a dermatologist, and they do this, and they send it off and get a diagnosis, and then you know what you're dealing with, and you know how to treat it. But you want to look, you want to check yourself, you want to have your spouse check you, you want to look in places you can't see, because if it's a melanoma, it could be anywhere, literally anywhere. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, it had been a couple of years since we started this, and it's been quite an incredible journey. And recently, we've had a change at Mara Family Medicine, which is that the practice has been acquired by Village Medical. And I'm very excited about this partnership with Village Medical, about this this acquisition by them. I, I made the choice to align with them a few years ago when I realized I wanted to spend more time taking care of patients and less time worrying about the financials and the technology and the operations and the things. And I got to know the, the founders of this company and, and learned their philosophy about taking care of patients. It's a physician that started the company. And I think what people will find as Mara Family Medicine becomes known as Village Medical is that the care you've been accustomed to is still there. And I tell everybody, if it's different from what it has been, that's not the plan. And you need to tell me. So when you're at the office, grab a business card. My email is on my business card. Send me an email if you have an experience that's not like what you think it should be or what it was previously, and we will fix it because the plan is to do what you need when you need it and to be as good as anybody you'll find. So that's that's the plan, and that's Village Medical's plan. As they expand, and, and they are across even the country, they want to be the best positions that you can find. So I'm very excited about this partnership and growing with this national group. So skin cancers, back to the topic, can be avoided and need to be. And you probably don't need to listen to podcasts to understand how to avoid skin cancer. Okay, but basically you avoid the sun. Okay, you don't go out between 10 and 4. You always hear about that. If you're going to do yard work, you go out early in the morning, you go out in the evening, you don't go out between 10 and 4 because that's when the sun is strongest and you're going to get the most damage. Use sunscreen. Okay, you see sunscreens on the shelf that have an SPF of four or six. or Don't buy that. If you're going to use sunscreen, use it. Use something that will help you. So get at least an SPF of 15. If you get over 50, it's overkill because, honestly, after you get over 50, you don't get really added benefits, so you don't need anything stronger than that. But don't hesitate to buy 50 because if you're out there and you really want to avoid a problem, you're going to prevent the damage, and you're going to do that with an SPS of 50. So that's my recommendation is that you use that. But don't go for anything less than 15. You might as well use baby oil and, and, and alcohol and 
that kind of thing that we used when I was in high school and caused more problems than you shake a stick at. When you're out there, wear a wide brim hat. Don't wear a baseball cap. I mentioned the tips of the ears earlier. And the, the tips of the ears get a lot of sun because people wear baseball caps and they don't cover their ears. If you're going to prevent sun, wear something that covers your ears. Don't hesitate to do that. You know, wear protective clothing. You see an awful lot of shirts. Uh, my wife, Peggy, refers to them as rash shirts, and I've never heard that term before her. But um, that's what people call them. And basically, they come in different SPF formulas. So you can get a long sleeve shirt that's really light, that's not hot. And it'll help protect you from the sun. Do something like that. Pay some attention to the sun exposure you're getting, and you're going to be better off. Don't go out and decide, I'm going to go get a tan. Now, that used to sound like a really good idea when I was a very young person, but it's just terrible. And sun exposure is cumulative. The amount of radiation, the amount of damage that you get over your entire life builds up and builds up. And so if you spend a lot of time as a young person out in the sun. This is going to catch up with you when you're older. Protect your children. Now, there's a phrase that really shouldn't need to be said, but when it comes to sun exposure, you have to be careful. I remember 30 years ago, I had a patient come in with her baby, and the baby was probably eight months old. They had been to the beach, and the mama decided that she was going to protect the child at the beach by using an umbrella. Well, mama used an umbrella that was white. So she had this umbrella on the beach. The sun hit the sand. It bounced up and hit the umbrella. And it was like a parabolic mirror almost. And it just focused the sun on this child. And this child was burnt. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was just a horrible thing. The poor child was just miserable. Uh, and it took a long time to get that healed had literally second-degree burns in many places. Uh, so, you know, use some common sense. Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is don't take your eight-month-old baby to the beach. But people are going to do that. But be careful. Use common sense and limit your exposure. That's an important thing, too. Now, at the end of the day, you know, most people who have skin cancer are not going to have a bad outcome. Uh, skin cancer is treatable, especially when you catch it early. Uh, the cancer's tissue can be removed with a minor surgical procedure in most cases. And we're not talking about melanomas here. We're talking about basal cells and squamous cells. If you have a melanoma, you're going to have a chunk of tissue gone. I can promise you that. And then some people end up with a skin cancer that they just have to live with results of. And if you have that, you know, I encourage you to spend time with your physician, understanding what you need to expect. In the future, spend time with your family, letting them understand what you're going to be going through because you will have ongoing treatments and such. And in that regard, having that kind of cancer is not a great deal different from any other cancer because the treatments can go on for quite some time. But all of this is, well, I can't say that. All of it's not. A vast majority of this is preventable. Now, I, I admit you really can't prevent a melanoma in any cases that I can think of. But these others you can prevent, and you need to get busy doing that. You need to pay attention. The sun is a great thing, but it is not friendly if you get too much of it. So be careful. Wear your sunscreen. Protect your children. And if you have something that looks like it's new and different, get it checked out. Don't say those five most dangerous words. And, John, if you're still there and the system worked, that's what I've got on 
skin cancer. I am here. And that's, uh, I've got a question about skin cancer. One of the things that some cancers have a, um, an aspect of heredity to them and some don't, uh, is, does heredity play into someone's, uh, susceptibility to skin cancer? It does with melanomas more than anything. Um, but at the same time, if in your family, if you're like Scandinavian and so forth, and you have a family full of people who are fair skinned, then that also makes you more prone. So it's in that, it, in that degree and in that way, yes, it can. Gotcha. Okay. So you went out on Facebook and, uh, ask, uh, folks to send in questions and it, and by the way, Folks, when you see that, it doesn't have to be a question on the topic of the day. It can be on anything. And uh, we've got several of those, uh, Jim. So let's um, – and I just want to shout out this guy, Hans Meyer. Uh, we love Hans. Everybody <laughs> loves Hans. So Hans – shout, Hans. Yeah, sh- shout out to you, pal. Um, Hans asked about, will we need another COVID – 19 vaccine in six months or a year and will this be like a yearly flu shot uh i I do appreciate the question and hans has been a fantastic supporter of ours for many years we just love him to death um the answer is almost certainly yes Uh, i personally believe that we will need a booster in probably six months and then i'd also think that this is going to be a yearly vaccine you know the coronavirus has emerged into the environment and it is here to stay it's not here for a little while it's not going anywhere it's going to be here it will always be a problem uh just like the flu except that people who get the flu and have a bad case of the flu don't end up with pulmonary fibrosis and heart failure kidney failure blood clots in their lungs amputations long-term covid brain fog and all this stuff you know people talk about the virus and not to get on my high horse, but the worst thing that happens is you die, but it doesn't happen much. But the worst thing that happens to a lot of people is all those things I just mentioned. And that's at least 10% of people who have severe COVID. So yes, I think we will have to have a recurrent vaccine. Um, I told somebody at the office the other day, I think we need a, a Flovid vaccine, put the flu vaccine and COVID vaccine together in one shot, just give them a Flovid shot. And uh, I have trademarked that name, by the way, in case anybody wants to use it. <laughs> so Hans, uh, follow up from Hans. He's asking, what effect does the population that does not take the vaccine have on the ones that did? Well, the people who have gotten the vaccine and maintained their vaccination status should be safe from those people who are not vaccinated. Uh, the, the, the unvaccinated people really are a threat to themselves and to other unvaccinated people. Uh, if they choose not to get the vaccine, they will forever be susceptible to this virus and they can get it multiple times. We know that now. So, um, those people are the ones who are going to be at risk. Um, and if you are someone who has not had the vaccine for, some medical reason, if there's a reason you can't get the vaccine, 
you're susceptible, and these other people who could get the vaccine and choose not to are putting your health at risk. And so you have to be very careful in that situation, who you're around, how you're around them, and how long you're around them. So uh, Kelly asks, she's had close contact with her oldest child and her husband, who both had COVID four months apart, and she never caught it. She says, what gives? Am I a superhero? Well, and you see my comment there. I said, yes, you are a superhero. Cause, <laughs> um, Kelly's a, a wonderful patient and a friend of mine mm-hmm. and um, part of a, a very special family over in Buford. And she is one of many people who we have talked to have been a member of a family of four or five and everybody in the family got COVID and they never got sick. And they've even gotten antibody tests to see if they had it, and they never got it. And there's no explanation for it other than being a superhero, of course. There's really no explanation for it um, that I know of. Um, It's not dumb luck. It's got something to do with their immune system. It doesn't mean you can't get COVID. It doesn't mean you won't get COVID. But it's a blessing that you haven't yet gotten it. Uh, But we have seen that in many situations, and I hope one day we'll have a better explanation for it. So here's a question from Rick. Rick asked about your observations on the effect of school closures on kids in the past year. You know, I'm so blessed to have uh, patients that will put in these comments, and the ones that you're talking about are are really special people. This is a, a wonderful family. I love these guys up in Dawsonville. Um I think that's one of the unspoken problems with the pandemic. I mean, you hear a little bit about it, but, you know, kids having to stay home, kids being in a home environment where they don't have enough food or they're not safe physically or emotionally, you know, this is a huge problem. And and if you if you take that problem, then you look at the group of kids who just don't have the social interaction that they did have and, and they're not in school at a time when they are really developing their personality and they're becoming who they're going to be as adults, I think it's a huge problem. And I have said from the start that children need to be in school. You know, children luckily don't, in large numbers, don't get bad outcomes from COVID. They're more vectors. They get it and give it more than anything else. But I think they need to be in school. And I hope and pray that next year, They're going to be in school full time as they had been growing and learning and developing as they need to be, because I think it is a huge problem. Uh, And they're also cheating and not learning, but we won't get into all that. Uh, And why I know that. Uh, uh, Yeah, we'll just let that one go. Uh, Hans Hans has got another question that uh, speaking of kids, and uh, those that had to stay at home, he wants uh, you to talk about uh, how moral family medicine has made a difference for those who have had to stay at home. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. And what he's referencing is the charity that Peggy and I started eight years ago. By the way, yesterday was our eighth anniversary cue the balloons and confetti. It was wonderful. Um, But when we first started seeing each other, she recommended that we start a charity to support 
a need in the county. And we found that there were 2,000 families in the county that didn't have internet in their home. And so we started a charity to provide internet and devices to those kids that didn't have it. And of course, eight years ago, nobody had any dream that kids would be learning from home at the rate that they are. You know, it would be snow days then. That was the only time. And so uh, over these eight years, we've raised over $450,000. And because of that money and because of those fun, that fundraising, every child in Forsyth County who needed internet in his home or her home and needed a device had it in order to be home and do this learning. And, and Forsyth County has been ahead of the curve from the start as far as using technology, as far as encouraging technology use. And so I think the children in this county uh, were very well prepared for remote learning, which they've been doing now for the last pretty much year. Um, and, and we're blessed that we had a hand in that. And it's, it's been a wonderful thing. And I would get scalded at home if I didn't mention that we have our fundraiser coming up in November. Uh, the charity is called the Forsyth BYOT Benefit. BYOT is Bring Your Own Technology. That's what the school district calls their program. And the Forsyth BYOT Benefit is sponsoring the evening of elegance on November 6th at the Metropolitan Club from 7 to 11. It'll be a formal dinner dance with an incredible Georgia-based menu and hors d'oeuvres and cocktails and incredible jazz quartet, uh, DJ music and dancing at the end of the evening, live and silent auction. Just It's going to be an incredible night. And if you're interested, we would encourage you to go to www.forsythebyotbenefit.org. That's .org. And check it out. Uh, you can also find it on our Facebook page, Forsyth BYOT Benefit on Facebook. And I, I appreciate him mentioning that. Uh, it's been something that Peggy and I have gotten as much good from as anyone, I'm certain, uh, because we have just been blessed by the way that people have responded and given to these children. Now, are you going to be playing that night? <laughs> I am not, but if you are a podcast listener, and you, obviously you are if you're hearing this, our intro and exit music is done by Steve Watson, who is the leader of the quartet. Steve and I grew up playing guitar together. Turned out he was a real guitarist and I was a doctor, um, but the man is unbelievable on guitar and plays all types. He's played professionally in LA and in studios for years. And now he's back in South Carolina and he's come in with his quartet to play for us on November 6th. And I cannot wait. I'm going to sit right in front of him for two hours and just listen and let Peggy schmooze the room. <laughs> okay. One final thing we've got here. Uh, uh, you've got something here on Facebook. You've got a pancake that I can't, it's so big. I can't even see the plate. And I'm it's calling a huge pancake. I am calling you out, man. I mean with a side of bacon and um looks like an egg. A fried egg. Holy <laughs> Moses. <laughs> so Peg and I have moved to the mountains of North Georgia and there's a place in Blue Ridge called uh, Serenity Garden Cafe. And you ask for a pancake and that's what you get. It is the size of a steering wheel. Uh I ate one quarter of it, which was equal to about a short stack of regular pancakes. It's delicious. Uh, the uh, Eggs Benedict there is fantastic. It's a great restaurant right there on Main Street. If you're in Blue Ridge and you're looking for good food, go to Serenity Garden Cafe. 
but don't try to eat the whole pancake because I, I think it'd end up in my office Monday if you did. <laughs> well, let's, yeah, let's shout them out. Serenity Garden Cafe in Blue Ridge on Main Street. Um, they have got a pancake that will sink a battleship. So they do, and yeah. it's delicious. Yeah. So that's what we've got on. Uh, aren't you glad I got on Facebook? poked around a little bit <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, i was starting to think we we're going to be here all day um again thank you so much everyone for listening so hit the subscribe button leave us a comment if you will thank you so much for listening and for now that is to your health 